welcome to the Artificially Unintelligent Podcast, where we, William and Nikolai, discuss researching and applying AI. We are your unintelligent guides through the world of AI. So whether you're sipping coffee or enjoying a quiet evening, settle in and let's dive right in. So welcome back. Um, today we're going to do another industry deep dive on the new State of AI report. Who doesn't know, State of AI report is a report by Nathan Benaik and some VC company, which is basically highlighting all the different highlights of the year in research, industry, politics, safety, and then they are making predictions for the next year, what will be happening. And what's quite interesting in the report, in my opinion, is that they always go back to the predictions they made last year and assess basically how well their predictions were. Exactly. And for anyone who's in generative AI, this is your report because it's basically 98% about generative AI. No, just kidding. There are some highlights here and there into different sort of topics. But what we will do today is that we will, of course, pick out some of the interesting details that we find and try to communicate them with you. But at the same time, also look at the bigger picture, like where are we heading? What's the current state at 2023? And this is what the document does and see if the predictions for next year might be true. Yes. So maybe let's start with all the large language model stuff. And I will pretty much fly through the report and highlight a few sections. So the first one, which they highlight is basically learning from bigger models, that smaller models were using the outputs of bigger models just for training, uh, which is already quite established in research. I didn't know why they highlighted it again. Then I think what's interesting is actually finding the scalable alternatives for reinforcement learning by human feedback. One thing which Anthropic is doing is reinforcement learning from AI feedback using AI to give feedback to the outputs of a model. So for example, saying, no, that's not nice enough. That's not helpful enough. But also Anthropic is implementing a constitution like how AI should behave. And a few other papers are using it to give feedback on concrete metrics the user can define. And they highlight two other research papers. One is self-improved by Google, um, which is basically the LM is self-improving itself. And the other one is self-instruct which is a framework where the model can generate its own instructions, inputs and outputs, and basically train itself in a direction, which is also quite cool. And I think one more highlight for me in the LM section is that the bigger companies, so OpenAI and Anthropic, are closing the door to any insightful information for researchers, so they don't really release any information on the architecture at all and Anthropic didn't even release a technical report for the newer models. Which is uh, something that many people have opposed basically they, the efforts from Meta such as the Llama models coming out now that are smaller, sparse, the architecture is out there for anyone to you know copy basically and they may they try to make an active effort to make it open source and it's take the record back like a couple of years you will see that meta was in the under fire when it comes to privacy preserving methods and so on but here they are making an active effort to try to open source these sort of things so yeah and maybe one last highlight is the context length 
It seems a little bit like a dick measuring contest uh, where everyone is trying to get to the biggest context length. And I think at the moment it's anthropic with Claude with 100,000 tokens. And for me, I'm not a big fan of it. I think people should focus more on what they are feeding into the model and really try to get to the important things as opposed to like just stuffing more and more stuff into it. And that's also what they highlighted, like with the lost in the middle paper, that long contacts don't really live up to the expectations. On the one side, you can't really control what the model is focusing on. And it's very likely that the model doesn't even consider the information or doesn't even find the document or the part of the context where the correct information is in. Yeah. So if we could maybe just take a short tangent on this, since 2019, 2020, large language models have basically been on everyone who works in with AI. It's been a surrounding topic for literally everyone in a sense. And what do you think about the next, maybe not the next year, but the next five years? Do you think it's a good space to enter? What do you think about the development of these sort of models? And um, how much do we still have to go when it comes to the natural language processing kind of area? So it depends where you're coming from. I think it's still a good place to go into, but I wouldn't disregard all the other NLP stuff. So I think many people are just using LLMs nowadays and NLP is much broader and you can make the pipelines with LLMs much more robust if you separate all the different steps and use regular NLP models for some of the steps. So I would focus more on learning it in general and using LLMs where they're necessary. At the same time, I think going into it, I think the skills you're learning in LLMs are so transferable that it doesn't really matter if the hype around them dies down because you're learning to train really large models you're learning to parallelize you're learning all the different like you have to go really down to the hardware and optimize it and you have to learn to deploy them and i think this is all really valuable skills for any ai engineer so even if the hype dies down which i don't expect you still have learned so much, which you can transfer to computer vision, to audio processing. Yeah, yeah, no, Very definitely, easy. I'm with you here. It's it's also, I think, if people are interested in natural language processing, they should enter the field and they should explore what type of models to use. And you say also what you said, like how to learn how to use the, all the tools that are necessary in order to deploy like full-scale applications. Um, but moving on, in parallel to the NLP development, we have data generation, basically. And one big topic at this point is synthetic data generation, which basically means like, I, I mean, creating data in a digital way, basically no human input whatsoever, except for maybe the model, creating the models that are necessary to generate this sort of data. Why this is because they have trusted that we will run out of what you could call natural data or data that stems from some sort of human intervene, intervention. And I don't know if this is true, like I was giving it some thought, like what are the sensors that we are using today? Will we develop new sensors in order to, for example, biometric markers and so on? There will be a lot of new data coming from that field. 
but when it comes to maybe images, videos, text, audio, maybe there's some truth that we will run out of data by the year of 2030 to 2050 something, what they forecasted. Yeah, so a few points. I think like most of the running out of data fears is around text data because I think it's forecasted until 2025. If you start considering audio and video data um, as well, I read like one paper which is forecasting if we really scale multi-model models, I think it's like 2060, something like that. But that's assuming we continue at the same rate of generation. And I think the rate of generation of content will go up massively. And for me, I think we will see better model architectures which can learn better. And also through integrating video data, I think they will have better grounding in the world and a better understanding of the world. So they will probably will need less training data because they have a higher quality of grounding in how the world actually works. So they can build a world model with less data and use the world model to generate answers. Yeah. And it's a bit the same topic when it comes to like how many parameters are the model, do the models consist of? It seems like from the GPT conversations that OpenAI had, they, they, they said that eventually you will hit a mark where there's no need to make the models larger basically where you run out of energy or they just become redundant in a way. So you need to make them more sparse and kind of go back down again to, yeah, more lightweight model in a sense. And maybe the same is true for data that you will need to use less data, a more sparse model, but you can still tune the parameters in a way so that you get a better understanding of the world. Yeah. So yeah, that was the second topic that we wanted to highlight, data generation and will we run out of data? This is a, you can of course read the report yourself and see what they say about this. Yeah, they also got a bunch of interesting stuff on agents. If you're in the space already, I think you read most of the papers they're mentioning. But one thing I want to highlight is basically the reasoning via planning. So they are using a tree search to find the best reasoning path. So how chain of thought, for example, works, you prompt the model to think step by step, and it's basically path dependent. So after you took one action or one step, you continue to work from that one. And the key they are integrating basically is that you're building a tree so you're considering multiple different paths and you find try to find the most rewarding one. So basically you approach it a little bit more as a reinforcement learning problem where you use the language model to define the actions, then you execute them in the world, you observe the state, the rewards, and then you try another reasoning path until you find the best one, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and this also plays a bit to robotics, which is another topic of agents that can move around freely in the world. And here we have a couple of models that they highlight. One which we discussed in a previous episode, which is the RT model that came out of several labs. And it was a fairly sparse model compared to other, to previous generations. And at the same time, they also published a large data set where they had, I think it was... 
uh, I don't know, thousands of different tasks and various sort of objects that they were supposed to move and so on. So this is also a very interesting field, robotics. And this is one of the fields that is still not really mature yet, like how you integrate them the AI models into the hardware and so on. And what will you use the robots for? That's still not certain. Like how will we use them optimally in a real world environment? Yeah, but I think it's cool. Um, it's basically moving in the same direction as large language models and image models that you have foundational models, which are mostly trained on really large amounts of data and which have general capabilities. And that's now moving into robotics, where you train the model on different tasks, different robots, which perform different actions and are inserted in different environments. So you have a model which is more capable at different things in different settings and in theory should be able to transfer its skills it already learned into a new setting and apply it zero shot. So basically without fine tuning on new data in that environment. And I think if we zoom out and take a look at like jobs and the different sort of career options, we talked about the data scientist being a narrow field of a machine learning engineer where you only look at the model construction and the data itself and then you have machine learning engineer or AI engineer where you deploy the models. You also look for how you can gather data and so on. I think robotics is the next step in the pipeline, to be honest. How do you maybe even develop hardware for your models to run on? And as it gets easier to program and add the models on top of hardware, the AI engineer will also need to learn a bit more about electric engineering, mechanical engineering, uh, at least I can imagine that would happen. Yeah, but if I'm looking at the these skills where models or AI excels at so far are these skills which evolved last. And like all the stuff which is more motion based or perception based where humans had like millions of years of evolution to fine tune it. And that's actually the hardest skills where they where any AI still struggles. And I'm not sure how fast the progress will be because all the different hardware, all the different sensors, they are so different that it will be really hard to get like a model to perform really well on on a band of yeah, and there are so I think general really need purpose to do... tasks at the same time. Like you really need the right sort of combination of knowledge and the fine-tuned the models in order to carry out the, what could be seen as a I don't know an easy task. Moving something, looking at something, doing combination of things. These are fairly difficult tasks when you start working with them. Yeah, and. Most fields always benefit a little bit from standards. And so computer vision benefits from like common encodings, which is used for the different image formats. And there are like just a few ones which are really popular, like JPEGs, PNGs, uh, in audio files, it's M4A, MP3 and WAF. But I think in robotics, we haven't seen it yet that there is like some form of standardization 
which might really be necessary. Yeah. So robotics, everyone, very interesting field. But uh, yeah, let's go on to the next topic. Yeah, maybe let's quickly jump into mm -hmm. Palm E, which is basically a combination of large language models, vision models, so they used the VIT and robotics. And what they basically did is they used pictures and a question or a prompt as an input. And then they used a large language model to concept an action of how to perform it based on the, like for the prompt. So for example, you ask how to grasp the blue block and it comes up with an action plan and this action plan is in turn translated into a control me mechanism in, in robotics for the robot which is also quite cool but I think that's quite limited because they're basically just combining different models which are already working and out there in the different modalities instead of finding a more natural way of coming up with something a little bit Yeah, and it should also be highlighted that in the executive summary of this document, they talk about multimodalities as the next thing, the next big thing or the predictions that I think they will be making over the, I don't know, coming two, three years. Because, you know, as we see with, for example, when it comes to the GitHub Copilot, they are adding right now new modalities or same thing when you use AI for coding, you may use like audio input, you have for the large language models, GPT-4, you add vision-based KPTs such as generating images and so on and so forth. Yeah. So yeah, multimodality will be another step towards more general purpose AIs. And then, I mean, if we want to move on to highlight on AI labs and effect on industries, Yeah, so basically they also have like big policy and safety sections. And the big thing which comes out for me, especially in the policy, policy section, is that it's diverging across the world. Like every country or the different continents like the EU and the US are taking different stands towards AI and how it has to be controlled. And I think this also have, has like a heavy impact on the different AI labs and they are concentrating themselves more on areas where it's a little bit more laissez-faire. So in Britain, for example, in the US, where most of the AI labs are located and they're basically taking also an active stance in uh, towards a policy that it has to be controlled better. Which to me is a little bit hypocritical um, because they already have the models out there and they already have the funding. So for them, it's always easier for the incumbent to adjust to new regulation than for a newcomer because startups just can't afford to get like a few people just working on compliance and stuff like that. And that's what I actually don't like about the AI labs that they are pushing so hard for regulation which probably only they can comply with in the end. Yeah, and at the same time, I think, for example, when it comes to very heavy regulated environments such as the EU or Japan, maybe, I'm not sure if they are doing themselves a service or shooting themselves in the foot when it comes to imposing very strict regulations. In terms, Of course, I work in privacy preserving machine learning and therefore I know the value of taking these things important, but at the same time, will you, 
I don't know, send people away because of this, maybe to more, as you talk about, less is fair trees where you can develop AI rhythms with better funding and maybe shorter iterations and so on. Yeah, exactly. That's, that could be one nice. of the threats, I'd say. Yeah, maybe let's move on like a few companies they highlighted um, as a last point. So basically in the end, they have a bunch of stuff or like a large section, especially focused on NVIDIA and highlighting like their competitors, their partners. And one slide, which I find quite interesting is basically a slide on NVIDIA's competitors, which are Graphcore, Habana, Cerebras, Samanova and Cambricon. I've never heard of any of them. But apparently Cerebras is the most likely competitor to be able to catch up to close to NVIDIA anytime soon. It's interesting because and I've never I've maybe heard about one or two of these, but to be honest, NVIDIA is on Evlips right now, to be fair. Yeah. And also they are able to ship globally. They are able to um, develop these sort of, also for the gaming industries with all the different graphic processors. Yeah, I don't know, like what other companies are worth highlighting. OpenAI, definitely, with all their efforts in the large language model space, but also in the regulatory space, because they are one of the first ones to, especially with Sam Altman coming out there, talking like we need to make it a bit more strict than what it is right now. Yeah, for me, like one more is Mosaic ML, which basically built the software and hardware to fine-tune large language models for companies, which was acquired by Databricks. Another quite interesting one is Synthesia, which is basically doing video generation, which is working quite well. And otherwise, Cohere, which is also working with LLMs, pretty similar to Mosaic in my opinion. And Adapt, which is applying LLMs and other AI for process automation, which for me are the like coolest highlights yeah. out there. Do you wanna do you want predictions for next year? Yeah, let's, let's do it. it. It's a, yeah, I can take the um, if I read the first five ones, you go for the last five ones then. And then we yeah. see what we think will be true or what will not be true. So first one is a Hollywood grade production makes use of generative AI for visual effects. What do you think about this? I think it will be challenging because Hollywood is the area where they are pushing the most against generative AI. I also think we aren't there yet. So I think they will try to do it, but um, th so they make use of generative AI, okay, for sure, but they will not humanly supervised i don't think so i think it's not at this at the level yet so they will use it but nothing yeah more. i've seen some efforts from disney when it comes to this but uh, yeah let's see let's see what it's like next year second a generative ai media company is investigated for its misuse during the 2024 u.s election circuit could be It could be. I think it will be. They will probably have a hiccup if because the controls aren't there yet. So it's it's very likely that some misinformation will go out there. Yeah, but then it's like, okay, what's the size the of the company? Could that just some small player happens to you know, launch a model that publishes yeah. a little thing? So I, I don't... I think it's a safe prediction because 
a generative AI media company. There are so many yeah. now. Okay, but uh, yeah, that's not really we living up. So maybe for us, I also yeah, difficult to speak on this one. But let's see. The third one: self-improving AI agents crush state-of-the-art in a complex environment, such as a AAA game, tool use, or science. I think it was it will work out. Yes, especially on tool use in science. They're already very good and very advanced. I think in the next year we will be able to have better control of what they are doing exactly. And I think then they will start to crush the state of the art. One, one thing that I would be really excited for is like when AI enter all you know, the fields of mathematics and physics and kind of come up with own theorems and crush tests when it comes to this. Or yes. tech EO markets unhaul and we see at least one major listing for an AI focused company such as Databricks, for example. In the next year, that's something I'm not sure about because the markets is at the moment they're not that friendly. I think the markets because Databricks also collected funding not that long ago. And I'm not sure about the other bigger ones. So that one I wouldn't be so sure about, especially because the IPO market is so cold at the moment. Yeah. So I would probably bet the other okay. side. The generative AI scaling craze sees a group spending of more than $1 billion to train a single large-scale model. I think the only one which is to consider doing that is OpenAI in, with their like GPT-5 model. I couldn't tell or s say anything about how even GPT-4, how much GPT-4 cost. Could be. In this, somewhere in that region, probably. Yeah. Okay, you go the last five ones. Okay, maybe let's skip through the interesting one because to not get mm -hmm. too long. We see limited progress on global AI governance beyond high-level voluntary commitments. Limited progress on global... Okay. Yeah, I can see this. these are probably things that take quite long to organize and everything. So limited progress seems fair. Yeah. An AI-generated song breaks into Billboard Hot 100 Top 10 or the Spotify Top Hits I think so, for sure. And yeah. This is going to be like some... Maybe from Drake or something, and then they say all of a sudden that it's uh, yeah. it's AI generated, basically. Yeah, as inference workloads and costs grow significantly, a large company, AI company, acquires an inference focused AI chip company. Yeah. I could see this happening. Probably will happen in the first half of next year. Yeah. But yeah, there you have it. You can Perfect. read through all of them yourself, but uh, it's a great report, funny to discuss. And there are many, there's a lot of richness in this report if you want to dive deeper into the actual research papers or the industry news and so on. Yes, perfect. Okay, yeah, this was. Hope you guys liked it and I'll see you next time. See you soon, buddy.